Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Hi there guys and welcome to Exploring Possibility. This is episode number 24. Guys, I'm super happy to just have you guys with me today just so we can study the mind, so we can learn from others and so we can continue to grow. My name is Christopher. If you are joining for the first time, I'm the podcast host. And once again, I'm just happy to have you guys here today. If you are listening for the first time, then I'd like to invite you to just subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Then, yeah, as, as normal, let's jump to who I'm interviewing today. Today's guest is a super special guy. His name is Philip Andrew Bob. And Philip is a TV producer. He's also a youth motivational speaker. Uh, for some reason, I've been attracted to these types of people and what they're doing to, you know, how they're helping and empowering the youth and helping the people that are going to take the world forward in the next few years. And I just love what these guys are doing. So, I was attracted to what Philip was doing. I had to get him onto the show and chat to him about all things, you know, um, motivation, inspiration, and empowerment. So Philip is dedicated to inspiring, motivating, and encouraging, and especially empowering students, even teachers, and also educators to reach for their best selves, as we all are, especially those listening to the show. So Philip is also a Emmy-nominated Los Angeles-based television producer who has been asked to speak around the world, educating and encouraging high school and also college students through his high energy entertainment and just unforgettable storytelling. So we touched on things such as, you know, changing your thinking to direct your focus towards solutions and also why it's very, very important to take ownership of your character. You know, it helps to steer your your life into the, the direction that you want. So the last thing that we just touched on is what people can do, or especially the ones who are doubting, you know, about their character, things about their character in terms of being able to change it, you know, whether they're too old or whether they are, or whether they've been regarded by society not being able to do things. You know, we touched on things like that as well. And it was a very jam-packed episode. You'll, as you listen, you'll see that Philip, he just loves to talk. So there were a few questions with long, long answers, but those answers were jam-packed and also full of stories, obviously, as he is a, a television producer. Having said that, uh, let's jump into the episode. And as we jump in, just start to think about how you are taking control of your character and also how you are learning to grow every single day. Because all the others out there, especially people listening to this episode, they are working on their growth mindset. They're working towards possibility and they're working towards creating staggering results in their own lives. You know, um, we, we, we specialize in, in studying people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, and Dr. Carol Dweck, you just, you know, just to name a few. So stay tuned to this episode, listen all the way through, let me know what you learned and let's jump in. 
Hi there, Philip Andrew Bob. Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm super stoked to just have you on the show today and chat about, you know, things all around empowerment, impact, and this inspirational stuff, man. So let's get this going. Welcome. Dude, I thought we were talking about socks. I thought this whole podcast was about socks, man. I don't <laughs> wait, wait, empowerment. What's what's empowerment? Right oh, no, email. <laughs> Oh, wrong. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's the other Philip Andrew. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, you know, actually, there is, it, here's the funny, there is another Philip Andrew. And he was a Power Ranger. I don't know if like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was big for you. Wow. Uh, but here in the States, it was. And so every now and again, I will get somebody that hits me up and they're like, hey, what was it like to be in the Power Rangers? Or, hey, man, why do you look so different? And I'm like, because I'm a completely different human being, man. But, <laughs> but thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. Longest You're, intro ever. Yeah, that is a long intro. We're going to actually touch on who you are in a bit. But that's quite interesting. Like, I used to watch uh, Power Rangers when I was younger. I just never knew the names. Yeah, like, I was so young. I was just, like, not. enthralled yeah. with what they did. And they were the, like, superheroes at the time. And they just crushed the evil guys. So it's quite, that's quite an interesting fact. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go Google that afterwards. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, though. Could, like if I, and maybe this is wrong. Could you even give me one? Of all the times you watched it, can you even give me one plot from one episode? No, I can't. No. no. <laughs> Not at I all. Have, I, I have no idea what it was about. But you <laughs> sat and watched it for hours. It was amazing. Man, which... And I, when I think of all the different shows that I grew up watching, there's so many. I have no idea. Like, I know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they were fighting Shredder. Okay, I know that. But, like, I really don't, I don't know what people, I don't know. When you're a kid, right, we take all these, uh, all this time to make sure that, like, these, you know, we have all these different options of kids programming. And I don't know. I didn't learn anything. <laughs> no, me neither, but I was there. They, they captivated me and I was in front of that TV the entire day. Right. But less of exactly. the Power Rangers and more about Philip Andrew Bob today. <laughs> so exactly, just, there we go. Like you, from what I could see is you went through quite some form of uh, adversity in your youth. And there's, you know, some story to your background, which is quite interesting and fascinating. And I think there's a lot that we can learn today from you just by listening to your story firstly. So as we start out, just briefly, like, tell us a little bit more about yourself and like, why are you here today? Like, who is Philip Andrew Bob? Definitely. You know, so the, so the kind of the quick bullet points, right. Of anyone that's listening to this and it's like, who is this guy? Mm. Um, you know, so a little bit of background on me is, you know, I'm an author. I recently wrote a book called all the reasons I hate my 28 year old boss, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. Um, but the main nine to five, the main thing that keeps me, keeps me busy is I'm a television producer in Los Angeles, California. Um, primarily always in reality TV. I'm a two time Emmy nominated, uh, producer. I was nominated for a psychology show. Uh, called Minefield on, on YouTube Red, which that was all about these cool psychological uh, demonstrations and experiments that we did. And I've been working in TV for the past decade. Um, other than that, I do you know personal development coaching and uh, motivational speaking. So everything from workshops to going into high schools and colleges and talking about um, you know motivation, personal development, and a little bit of my backstory. So I'll kind of talk a little bit about that right now and give you the short version. You know, for me, I'm uh, originally from Metro Detroit, uh, so Detroit, Michigan. I grew up about 10 minutes from downtown Detroit. And, you know, for me, it was kind of always that normal, very stereotypical kid coming up, 
you know, had friends, played sports, had insecurities, uh, you know, wanted to be, wanted to do good in school, um, wanted to not do good in school, right? Like all those crazy things that you go through as a kid. And I think a lot of the interesting development for me was my father was a retired police chief or is a retired police chief at the time he was a cop. Uh, my mother was involved in the school board. So for me, I had two parents that were very involved in the community. So a lot of people knew who we were. And as a little kid in my head, I thought that and that I was really, really important and that everyone was paying attention to every little thing I did from mm-hmm. sports to academics to behavior, all this stuff. So I started to develop that mask of needing to be this perfect little kid. Now, I'm also growing up, as I mentioned, uh, Southside Detroit. So there's that element of being a little bit hard-nosed, not being a teacher's pet, not doing things by the rules, uh, being a little bit uh, on, a, on a rougher side. So I'm torn between being this like goody-goody two-shoes cops kid and then being like a cool, you know, uh, a streetwise kid with my, with my friends. So that low level of anxiety that a lot of kids start to develop at, you know, I, I always joke, there's a million ways to, to destroy a child, right? Like I hate to say it, but like there's all these different <laughs> ways that when we're little kids, we start to twist reality. And, yeah. um, you know, as we mentioned, we sit in front of a TV, we watch things, we don't even know what, where it really takes us our little brains are just all over the place and we can create problems out of nothing, which we do as adults too. And so for me, I, you know, that anxiety was kind of there, but I was always hanging out with a lot of these older kids as I was hanging out with older kids, wanted to be around older kids. I had that theory, that thoughts of, am I funny enough? Am I smart enough? Am I cool enough? Am I blah? And I was in my head all of the time. So then all of a sudden, when those guys start hitting 15, 16, 17 years old, and they start experimenting with drugs and alcohol, I'm 11. And I want to be with the cool kids. So I started drinking at 11 years old, drinking alcohol at 11 years old. And when I drank alcohol, it was that temporary relief from what I, I didn't know what I needed. But Mm -hmm. as soon as I had alcohol, I was like, it's this, this is what I want. This is awesome. I no longer cared about my last name. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about anything. I was in the moment. And as much as I hate it, as like obviously in the motivational world, we talk so much about being present, being in the moment, not being the future, not being. Unfortunately for me at 11, 12, 13 years old, the only thing that helped me get into the moment was alcohol. And so that's going on 11, 12, 13. I'm drinking, 14, uh, I'm drinking. And then, you know, one day I remember, you know, my dad, you know, sitting me and my sister down and no one knew that I had these, you know, and it's not like I was drinking every weekend, right? Like I'm 11 years old, I'm 12 years old. It's every, you know, here and there sporadically. Uh, But that thought process was always there that here's this thing that I know I can go to and I can escape this life. And I can more so not even the life I needed to escape my mind, the constant running of my mind. So anyway, so there was a moment when, uh, you know, I'm getting ready. It was, you know, I'll never forget, man. It was February in, uh, in Detroit, which, you know, I don't know how the weather is there for you, man, but February in Detroit is cold and, you know, the snow is falling. And I remember sitting at the dinner, ta- dinner table with my dad and my sister and I'm getting ready to, I got my, you know, I got like I'm getting ready to get ready for a basketball game. I, you know, I was going to play high school basketball and, uh, my dad sits me and my sister down and, he turns the TV off and it gets super silent and super weird and very uncomfortable in the room. And I remember my dad just saying to me, Hey, you guys, um, 
you know, your, your mother went to the hospital cause she wasn't feeling well mm. and it's more serious than we thought it was going to be. Uh, your mother has cancer. And so at 14 years old, I learned that my mother is diagnosed with, uh, with colon cancer. Um, long story short, we go through all the different processes, right? The chemo, she loses her hair, uh, you know, the skin, skin color changes, eye color changes. She's losing all of her weight. And then 11 months after, after we found out she had cancer, my mother passes away. So, you know, I'm 15 years old, a week before my 16th birthday, exactly seven days before my birthday, and I lose my mom. So now you take a kid who's already dealing with a lot of these anxieties at times of growing up and do I fit in, blah, 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 blah. And I'm trying to navigate my life. And now my mom is gone. Um, so I really didn't have, and you take a kid that doesn't really have any proper coping skills. Mm, exactly. right? I didn't, no, one had ever, no one had ever sat me down. I didn't take grief 101. Most of us never <laughs> do. Right? Um, but so that, that for me, uh, when I didn't know how to handle what was going on, for me, I started to, you know, I, I always kind of joke that I shouldn't say the word joke around this topic, but it was, I created this idea of what I now kind of have called like rehearsed vulnerability. I, I knew that I couldn't just shut down. I knew that if I said nothing about it, people would, it would cause red flags, right? Yeah. People would be like, Phil, what's going on? Yeah. But so I rehearsed in the same way I developed that mask as a young kid. I developed the mask of the kid with the, with the dead mom. And I learned how to say enough and, and share enough about what I was going through and how I was feeling so that you would think I was okay and yeah. you would leave me the hell alone so that I could, it, but I still, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to cope. And um, so, you know, I always, I, I laugh at this point because I've said long story short twice and that means <laughs> that it is not a short story. And, um, but so the way we get through this thing, right, is, I'm drinking, I'm drinking, I'm drinking. Now I'm still doing well in school. I'm still doing well in sports. But 18 years old, I put my car into a wall on a freeway, got arrested. 19 years old, I get arrested again. 20 years old, I get arrested for a third time, uh, all for alcohol-related offenses. Uh, at one point, I got, I got in a fight. I got hospitalized. I had to get seven staples in the back of my head. Uh, I, was, I was hurting not only myself, but a lot of the people that are in my life, my, my, my dad, my stepmother, now that after he got remarried, to you. Yeah. hurting all those people. And, um, and then, you know, I don't know what it was. Finally at, at 22, I was getting ready to move out to California. I was all excited. going to go out to LA, be this big shot, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, 11 days before I got ready to move, I went up to go meet up with some buddies to go have a beer one beer turned into about 14 and uh you know a few hours later i'm getting pulled over handcuffed put in the back of another cop car and for for at least this moment that was when there was no more getting out of it like the courts were really starting to come down on me because of all the, the history of all the alcohol stuff and and in fairness man i needed it like i 100 needed um to not be able to get away with things, to not get out of things. I needed to be able to face what was really going on. My problem was not alcohol. And it still isn't today. My problem's not alcohol. My solution, I thought, was alcohol. Mm -hmm. The problem was the inability to grieve and the inability to cope with life and the inability to express what was really going on. That was what the problem was. 
So I dove really deep into, into recovery. Um, actually, in a few days, I'll be celebrating 12 years of uh, sobriety, which is Congrats. awesome. And thank you very much. And, um, and so that is Philip Andrew Barb, the backstory. So let's, let's get into some questions, man. I, I, and long, like I said, long story short, it's never short. <laughs> It's fascinating because I always see people when they get passionate about something, they, they like keep going. And that's what just happened is like, you are passionate about what happened because the, it feels like there was such a big growth step for you within that journey. And the fact that you realize it and sort of leverage that is what empowered you and took you forward. And it's amazing. It's, that's what I wanted to actually get out of you. So I'm actually happy that you went on and people can literally just sit down, listen thoroughly thoroughly to what you just said and learn something from that and, and perhaps relate because that just, I, I just related in a way that is so deep because I also started drinking very early and exactly the same thing. Like that was my coping skill. I didn't lose my mom though, but a lot of other things happened in my own life that was personal to me and I struggled and I got, got into fights also. And it was just, it was such a disempowered way of actually coping with the world. But at that point, I didn't know any better. And that was my sort of, like you called it a solution uh, that you're grabbing towards. So for me, just going through this entire journey, I just felt like I related so much. And if you can get out of that, so many others can get out of it. I could get out of it. And that's what we're going to want to touch on today. So just the first question on top of that is just regarding your story is how did you change your thinking? How did you get out of it? Because so many others might be stuck in the same thing or might not even know they are stuck. So they're unconscious about their life. So how did you sort of just change your thinking? How were you able to direct your focus and uh, stick to it? That's the first question. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, it, it's, you know, I, I wish I could say that it was like an instantaneous thing mm. where it just magically happened. Right. Uh, the truth is anytime we're going to be going through change, right. Like we can have like that radical moment yeah. that kind of wakes us up. Um, but there is no magic door that we're going to walk through and be clean forever on the other side. Right. Like we always joke, like there is, you know, I can't take a shower on Monday and be clean all week, right? Like yeah, there's continuous, exactly. you know, that needs to happen. And, but, you know, for me, it was one of those things once I got into, re, you know, into recovery circles, you know, for me, I got into 12 step, I got into, you know, AA and, and Alcoholics Anonymous and those things. And in the 12 steps were absolutely beautiful for me. Uh, but even more so than just the 12 steps, which are a great framework of, of life, I think there was an element of where I started, a, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And one of the great educators is exposure. And I started to become exposed to people that were living their lives in a different way. And it was intriguing to me. You know, my entire life, I had kind of grown up, as many of us do, on this. I needed to earn everything. I needed, I earned grades. I earned respect. I earned love. You know, outside of my, my dad, my mother, and my sister, and my stepmother, right? Like that was the unconditional love that we always hear about. But in my, in my mind, as a kid, I thought I needed to earn everything. You know, I needed to earn your respect and earn your praise and all these things. So when I got to, when I got into recovery and I started to experience and be exposed to individuals that were treating me in a manner that had nothing to do with me, it had nothing to do with what I was doing. It had nothing to do with my past. It had nothing to do with what I could provide or offer to that group or to enter the community. I witnessed people that were choosing to treat me in a manner with love, kindness, and respect, not because of me, but because it was who they decided they were going to be. 
And that was a shift for me that I started to see, oh my God, like, wait a minute. This isn't this codependent mm-hmm. relationship where I have to earn it. And if I don't do well, you're going to withhold love for me. And I have, so I was in this constant battle. And I think a lot of times people in normal society were in this constant battle of, you know, I always used to joke, like I constantly always felt like, is this the moment where they realize that I'm absolutely full of shit? Right. Is this the moment that it all comes, you know, <laughs> you know, cause to me, I knew all, like, I knew the, right. I'm a TV producer. So I always joke about like, I, I speak in TV terms, right? Like everyone else got to see the highlight reel. I knew the blooper reel. Mm-hmm. And I was always nervous was today the day that they're going to really see who I am is today. The day that Phil gets exposed for being the, the self-centered, lying, conniving, entitled little, you know, little kid that he is. <laughs> and when I, when I realized that, like when they said, Hey, Phil, whether you're amazing or not, whether you're lying to us or you're being truthful, like, we're going to love you, man. And it was like, enough of that was enough to completely shift my thinking. Uh, and like I said, man, I think exposure is one of the greatest educators you know, when you start to get exposed to people that are making a decision to live their lives in a different way, uh, which is, this is why I think it's so powerful when people participate in masterminds or they hire a coach or they go to, uh, you know, it's like when you go to a a self-help seminar uh, or a workshop and so often people, right, when you don't have access to those things, it's easy to like ridicule and laugh at and joke Mm -hmm. about and all of those are all just broken people and blah, blah, blah. Hey, man, most of us are broken people. Get over yourself. And it's like <laughs> to put ourselves, whenever we can put ourselves in an environment that is growth-based, where people want to grow, um, I think it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and so I always, you know, I always encourage people to do those things. And so that was really kind of a, you know, there's, like I said, it wasn't just one moment. It was a lot of that. And I could go on and on and on about the beauties and, and the amazing. Uh, but the truth is a, a group of strangers loved me into transformation. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, it's always amazing when, um, that's why I want you to speak about this is because now when someone listens to you and they're like, wow, listen to what he said, like I'm seeing myself in him. And that's where you sort of get this insight and you start changing your cycle. You start changing your momentum. And that's, that's yeah. beautiful. So um, what I can take from that is definitely like the, the, what you said is the exposure. And if you start going into spaces or even reading a book that's going to give you a different exposure, a different perspective on how life could be or how you could be as a human being, your life is going to start changing rapidly as the more you start diving into that. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned something earlier, you said the word relate, and that was a, a lesson I learned really quickly in, in program, right? Mm-hmm. It was not, you know, was learning to relate with people and not learn, not comparing, right? Like comparison is all about separation. Relating is all about connection. Connecting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if somebody listens to my story or they listen to your story and they're like, well, I didn't have issues with alcohol or my yeah. parent didn't die or whatever it is. The truth is, and, and sometimes, and, and give me a second to explain this, it's another TV producer thing, right? But like, our stories don't make us inherently special, right? Um, if you watch a movie, we have a thing that is called the 180 rule of character development, right? So if you look at a movie, the character, the main character starts as something. And then the movie's going and it's happening and the whole movie's happening and they're doing the arc of the movie. 
They go through all this craziness. All these things are happening to them. You know, they're, they're trying to fall in love. It's not happening, blah, 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 whatever it ends up being, right? At the end, there's a change, and now they are a different person than who they were at the beginning. You look at a movie like a, what's an example? Oh, like a 40-year-old virgin. I don't know if you ever saw that movie with Steve Carell. But basically, he starts the movie. He's a virgin. He has no friends. And uh, there's no, no chance in sight of him ever having a wife, right? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. He goes through all this stuff, the, what, the fun stuff of the movie. And at the end, he's lying in bed with his wife, who he's, and he has a great group of friends. It's the 180 rule of filmmaking, right? It's a complete transformation. You look at all the, all the stuff that's happening in our story. While interesting, it's only worth it if we become a new person on the other end. It's if the story ended in the middle of the movie, we wouldn't care. And I see that so often where people can, we get, we get, we get entitled to what we think we deserve because the hardships that we've experienced, or we think like, oh, well, I had to go through this thing. And while it's unfortunate and I don't wish any bad things on people. And if you're in the middle of your journey right now, I'm not trying to demean or diminish what you're experiencing. However, the magic at least of my story or what I'm the most proud of, of my story. It's not that my mom died. It's not that I struggled as a youth. It's not that I, you know, had any of these bad things happen to me. I'm most proud of the man that I've become on the other end. And so it's those things that we have, you know, I just want to encourage anyone, even if your story looks nothing like my story or it looks nothing like your story, our story is amazing because it helps us be able to relate to other people. But the truth is, if we're still the person that we were at the beginning, there's got to be some sort of a shift. We got to grow. And I see a lot of people that are trying to help other people, right? You've been in the self-help world. We start seeing it. There's a lot of people that are trying to put their other people's oxygen masks on before they put on their own. And so we have to look at ourselves and say, are we in a position to actually really be able to help others yet? Or do we need to keep doing some work on ourselves? So like we all need to look at where are we at in our 180 rule and where are we all at in our journey? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, a quote that comes to mind is you got to be the change that you want to see. So if you want to go out and help others be empowered, you got to be empowered yourself. That's where you start. Totally. If you start with yourself as an individual and you just touched on a topic that I want to jump into next, which is the, the character building. So yeah, I believe if I were to build uh, my character at an earlier age or a younger age, I, I would have been able to cope better. I would have been able to be a better person. I would have been able to um, impress on others, better, you know, a little bit better and differently and perhaps more positive. And I would have been able to just be this different person to others out there. And that brings me to a quote that I read from you, I think. And it says that we never have to worry about our reputation when we take ownership of our character. So let's just jump onto that. Like, where do you, where did you get this insight and why is it so important for us to embody that quote? Yeah, I, I think that, I think there's a lot of elements of reputation that are very external. You know, that's kind of the distinction I make between reputation and character. Reputation is external. It's based on how other people perceive us. Um, you can do it. You can, it's easier, like you can have multiple reputations. 
you only get one character. Your character is internal to who you are. You know, your reputation is how you see yourself or how others see you and it's in comparison to the world. There's low, low grades of, of codependency in your mm-hmm. reputation. Your character is you when you strip everyone else away. You strip your parents away, your friends, your coworkers, the random guy at the bus stop you ran into. Your character is that moment with you and with your, with your higher power, whatever that is, right? So that's how I look at it. I'm okay if, if people give me a wrong reputation because I can't control other people. Mm. If my character is on point, if I know who I am and I, if I've created values, if I have a value system, if I have a morality base, if I have the things that are important to me and I've been intentional with my decision-making on what type of a man I want to be. And if I can look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, Phil, you're actually showing up the way you want to and you're behaving in a way that does not it doesn't change depending on what environment you're in. To me, that's my character being strong and strengthened the more that I practice that. And then if I'm being a certain, like if I, you know, we've all had the moment, right? Where we say one thing to one person and say the exact same thing, the same way to another person with the same intention. And it gets taken two completely different ways because reputation is interpreted by other people. And that is outside of my realm of control. Now, can I inf- influence that? Sure. We do. We try to do it all the time, right? We wear the different masks. We, you know, we, we swap those out based on what this group of people wants me to be or what this group of people wants me to be. But there's so much freedom, right? Like there's freedom in our character building. And, and I think a lot of it stems from taking that moment and being honest with ourselves, right? Like that's, uh, looking at it and, you know, I always do like an exercise and this isn't something I created. A lot of people do the first half of this exercise and the exercise is sitting down, writing out, you know, looking at a, at a, at a lot of adjectives, a lot of different, uh, you know, words that are describing words, right? Hardworking, mm-hmm. discipline, blah, 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 blah. And people go through and you select what are the five, you know, five most important to you, right? So this exercise is out there. A lot of people do it. It's a fantastic exercise. So the next step, what I like to do is what I call the integrity scan. And it's then looking at ourselves and saying, all right, I said I wanted to be honest. Honest is a part of my core value. Great. How often in the last week was I not honest? Mm-hmm. And that, in, in that checking ourselves and that the ability to be self-aware of how often, when are we not showing up? When, and, and here's the thing, whether you know it or not, whether it's something that is in your brain or not, um, I shouldn't say in your brain or not, but whether it's something that you are being conscious of. Yeah. When we have core fundamental values and we act in opposition of them, we will always feel dissonance in mm-hmm. our life, right? When we, when we know we want to be a person of, of a certain type of character, and then we act in opposition. We're always, whether we know it or not, right? Whether we are being conscious of it or not, we, there's always going to be residual dissonance in our lives. And so there's a lot of people that are going through life and they're like, oh, why well, can't I get this figured out? Because you're not, 
Because a lot of times we're not acting in accordance and, and we're not in line, in alignment with our core fundamentals. Um, so that's a really key thing that we need to do. Um, so that's why I always say character, character, character. The re- if your character's on point, then your reputation is going to be good with the right people. And that, yeah. you know, like when you have high character and you're around other people with high character, you're going to have good reputation with those people. Um, you might have a bad reputation, right? Like with, with people that are, that don't believe in what you believe or, or that don't have the character on point or what that's fine. A lot of times, you know, one of the best things I, I, one time I heard a person say, they're like, I give people permission to be wrong about me. And the second we can do that, when your character is on point and you know who you are, you're okay with letting people be wrong about you. When you know who you are, you've got that feeling, you know, in, in recovery circles, we talk a lot about being, being comfortable in your own skin. I lived for a long time not being comfortable with who I was in my skin. And it's such a radical shift now that like I can handle uh, opposition and I can handle uh, conflict and I can handle people uh, checking me. Exactly. I can handle that now without being defensive because I know who I am. So uh, character, man. I love character. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Like what I can take from that is just the fact that at the end of the day, your character is the thing that's going to stick with you. Like people's opinions are always going to be there and they are always going to be different. And at the end of the day, it's just the opinions of you anyway. So if you can move forward with that, it's going to, it's going to bring what I've found as well as building on my character as I'm constantly every day building my character is something that has stayed with me is inner peace. I was able to have this inner peace with myself knowing as I move forward, I become more integral to who I want to be living my values, living my purpose. Although it's a tough path, it shapes you as you go. So I can definitely take so much from what you just said, but now you will, you will typically get people that say, well, uh, it's too late for me. You know, it's, I can't work on my characters. So what would you say to, to some people that would say that to you? Like, it's too late. Like I've, I can't do this anymore. Like, <laughs> Totally, man. And, and, and I will say, and first of all, I just want to say, hey, thank you for having me on. And anyone that's still listening to the podcast, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, you obviously are enjoying it because you're still here. You would have left if you hated it. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, for people that, you know, and that's a thing in coaching that we experience a lot, right? I've always been this way. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the, great, that's one of the greatest lies mm. that we tell ourselves, right? Yeah. I've always been this way. The truth is, right, we've heard, right? The only thing that's consistent is change. Yep. The only thing that's constant is change. We're always changing. We always have the ability to make new decisions. Um, there's, there's things that you can look at that you did differently last week, and you're going to do it differently now. We have the ability, if we want to, to change our line of thinking into something else. There's always these stories that we're telling ourselves, right? We need to be able to interrogate our reality, interrogate ourselves, Right. I'm a cop's kid. So maybe that's why I love the idea of interrogation and, you know, and like police work, (laughs) but like you need to be able to sit and be like, I've always been that way. Cool. Why? Why have you always been that way? You know, there's a lot of things that we developed as kids that we needed in that moment. We needed it Mm. for protection Mm. when we were seven, we needed it for protection or to, to, cause we didn't understand another way. There's a lot of things that we did in the habits we developed and thought processes that we, you know, developed. 
that was one of the craziest things for me when I went through, when I was going through recovery. And one of the things is you do an inventory where you, I basically sat down with a sponsor and I wrote down every memory that I had, every memory I had from four years old, five, six, seven, eight. And then you start looking at it and you start saying, how is this still affecting me? How is this, you know, if there's a memory that we have from when we were four, five, six, that's significant enough that we've held on to it for that long, that there's probably something in there that is still affecting the way that we look at the world, look at ourselves, look at a parent, look at a member of the opposite sex, look at a member of the same sex, whatever it is, right? I was blown away when I did my inventory and I started finding how many things that happened to me at seven, eight, nine years old that were still impacting the decision-making I was having at mm-hmm. 28, 29, 30 years old, you know? And so there's a lot of these things that we need to be able to look at and be like, I've always been this way. Okay. Why? Why did I develop that line of thinking? That's why I developed it. Well, what was it serving then? How is it not serving me now? Is there a better way? Is if I, if I were going to say, um, you know what, women, women do not like tall men, right? Or I'm sorry, women only like tall men. Let mm. me go there. I'm, I'm like five, I'm five ten, which is a lie. I'm five nine, but I said five ten because <laughs> hey, I'm a guy, right? So I'm five nine. And if I say I have that that mindset, women only like taller men. Now, why would I have maybe developed that? Was there a time where I was attracted to a woman that was over five or that was a taller woman? Uh, or was I ever denied? Was there a girl that I liked that she started dating someone taller? I never mm-hmm. even asked her out. I never even talked to her, but I saw her date someone taller and it tapped into my own insecurity. So instead of being able to identify my insecurity, I created a rule around it and said, oh, well, uh, attractive women only like tall guys or, oh, she only likes tall guys. That's why, it was, oh, I didn't even have a shot anyway, right? It puts me back on the bench. It lets me say, oh, well, I, it was whatever. I never, I don't have to show up and even try. Mm. I don't even have to try. And that's what a lot of the, these things are. I'm like, oh, I've always been this way. Is it's, a, it's an excuse for ourselves to not step up to the plate and hold ourselves to a different standard. To hold our, to be able to, it, it, it allows us to, so many of us, we, we fail and we struggle with failure or fear of failure. So we don't even realize that we're taking this mindset of, well, I won't drop the winning touchdown if I'm not in the game. I've just always, um, I've never been that. I've never been a wide receiver. I've always been a guy who just sits on the bench and watches. And, it, and it, it's a safety net. It's a safety net. So we create these stories in our head. And if you tell yourself a story long enough, you start to believe it. And, you know, there's an interesting thing I heard where even with memories, uh, the they, they neuroscientists or whatever, whoever studies this stuff, I say neuroscience just because it makes me sound smarter. I have no <laughs> idea. But, it's, you know, there's, there are these people that have come up with these ideas that they say when we trigger a memory or when we try to recall a memory, we're not even recalling the memory. We're recalling the last time that we recalled the memory. So it's like one big game of telephone that we're playing with ourselves, where we're like, and we're constantly adding new things, like forgetting details, adding details. We are recreating our memories as we call on them. And so when we think of it that way, like it's kind of fallible, 
there's going to be a lot of errors in that. So we have to really look at ourselves and say, you can totally change if you want to. Don't blame anyone else. If you've always been that way, it's because you have made the decision many, 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 many times continuously to hold on to that old ideal. If you want to change, you can change. If you don't change, that is a choice. You are making a decision. We are all making decisions on who we want to be. So if you're saying that's just who I've always been, I call bullshit. If you really want to change it, it's possible. If you don't want to change it, and here's the thing, it's not that we all have to change everything in our life. If you're crushing it, if life is fantastic, if you're happy with how keep doing that, don't break, don't, don't fix it if it ain't broken. However, if there are areas in our lives that are coming up and there, and we have shortcomings, we got to be able to have the self-awareness to, to look at it, recognize it and understand that we have the power to change. Yeah. There's so many things that's coming out of this conversation right now. That's just jumping towards me. And like things like, um, I can just one first thing is I can see that you are super conscious about the way that you think behave and the, the, the decisions that you make. And another thing is that, the power that they li- that's in questions, that lies in questions. If you're able to sit there and just question everything that you do, question your habits, question your thinking, see where it comes from, why it's there. I mean, if you can sit down like you did and write all your things down, question one by one, see why it's there, you will be able to empower yourself. And then the third thing that jumped out was re- responsibility, being able to be responsible and take sort of just ownership of your own life and move it forward by taking ownership of that. And then the last thing was then you are, I can see that you are so in this curve of always learning and improving and growing because within that story, there was a person that I, that I imagined and that person had this fixed mindset. And the opposite of that is someone that empowers himself out of that is something with a growth mindset, which is what the show is also all about. Now that takes me to the next question, which is all about learning, right? So what is your view on learning? And if we want to live an empowered life, one where we thrive and where we have um, where we can just be empowered, you know, where we can live a positive life and just be fulfilled as well. Like how much emphasis would you place on learning and growing itself to get to that point? Yeah. Don't learn. It's overrated. No, I'm just kidding. Learning is everything, <laughs> man. It, it's, it's. Don't um, read books, kids. <laughs> yeah. Don't re- burn all of the books. Uh, you know, I, one time I heard somebody say, is like reading is rescuing the knowledge of the past. And it's like, there are so, like, it's 2020. Thousands of years, millions, billions of people. And some of the best minds have taken the time to write down what they've learned. The knowledge in books are based on things that it takes lifetimes to learn. And we have access to it. And people have been able to say, hey, here's, Here's what I've learned. Here's a new study. Here's old things that have always been relevant. Um, you know, there's the quote, it's like, uh, you know, if you want a new idea, read an old book, right? I think that when you start to learn and learn and learn, it makes it easier to like give yourself a break, right? I look at it like I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I made a lot of mistakes at 25. I made mistakes at 30. I'm going to make mistakes at 34. So Mm. knowing that I don't have to take myself so seriously. Not every one little decision is going to, is so monumental, right? I learned that because I can look at my own history. When we look at books, we can read what other people have experienced. 
what their knowledge base was, what they think was great. When we read a book, it's almost like you're, you're jumping inside of the mind of another person yeah. and you're getting, the, you're getting downloaded. Right. And so I think that learning is so good because it is always, it's always pushing our thinking. Um, I love to read a lot of different types of topics. Um, cause the cool thing is when, you know, you read one book and maybe a couple things stand out and you read another one and another, and then all of a sudden you read that fifth book. And it helps you better understand something you read in the first book. Very true. And then the eighth book helps you connect with the third book and then the first book. And so you start to develop this. You read a psychology, but then you read a dating book. And then you read a, you know, you read a book about business. And you start to understand a lot of the similar concepts from a lot of different angles. And then you start to really understand things. You know, I think for me, I grew up and I think a lot of people here in the States and I don't know how it is for you, but like you grow up, you read so you can beat the test and then you can forget it. And, you know, I hated to read. I didn't like to study. I didn't like to learn. I was really good in school, but it was out of competition. I wanted to be better than you. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to learn. I just wanted to be better than everybody else. Right. It was my ego that that was that uh, pushed me forward. Now as I'm not really competing with anybody, I'm competing with myself, who I was yesterday. I just want to be able to learn. And now it makes reading fun. Now I'm just like making connections between this and that. And, oh, this will help me in when I'm coaching. This will help me when I'm TV producing. And it's, I think it's so big. And it's, it's just, it's, it's leveraging knowledge that's already been worked for and struggled for and sacrificed for we get access to it. So I think learn, I mean, right. Like if you're not, I also had a boss one time, he told me, he goes, if you're not, he goes, if you're not learning, you better be teaching. And if you're not teaching, then you better be learning. And it's, and that's that, that back and forth that we're always doing. If I'm on stage and I'm teaching people, that's amazing. And that has its time. And when a second I'm not teaching, I got to be learning because it just keep it, it's a back and forth that you need to do. If you're not learning, you better be teaching. And if you're not teaching, you better be learning. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And as we get to the woods, like the end of this conversation, as we speak about books and learning and stuff, I know that you have a book and I want you to just tell us a little bit more about that and also who can benefit from reading your book. Yeah. So, you know, for anyone that's still listening uh, you know, thank you very much. The book, it's called All the Reasons I Hate My 28-Year-Old Boss. Now, um, it is a comedic, fun, uh, it is very much like the thing that I love. One of the great uh, comments that I get from people that have read the book is they're like, man, I feel like I was hanging out with you while I was reading it. Like it's, I, I wrote it very conversationally. I wrote it in a way that I speak. Um, so if you enjoyed listening to me talk on this podcast, you'll enjoy the book because it's very, it's, you know, it, it's, I, I, I write very similarly how to similarly to how I speak. Um, you know, the book was, it, you know, self-help business book. Uh, it's aimed kind of tackling this idea of ageism in the workplace. Uh, you know, we now have a time where we've got four generations of people all mm. working together. So it's difficult. We were raised in different generations. We were raised with different understandings, different work ethics, different levels of entitlement. We were raised in different environments from an economic standpoint, from a society's, you know, societal standpoint. 
you look at like the younger generation has never known a world that wasn't globalized. The older generation, this isn't like the internet's a damn new thing. So there's like, in that, there's not a right or wrong, but we, it is just fact that we do have some fundamental differences. Now, the truth is we have far more similarities. However, you know, my, my job with the book in the way I kind of joke is, is while it does have the word hate in the title, uh, I hope that people that have been listening and I hope it comes across, I'm not a very hateful guy. <laughs> I, so, so the, the message really is about uniting people and helping people. So who it's going to be perfect for, if you're sitting and you're listening to this and you have struggled with younger bosses or even younger coworkers, mm. or you do have a boss that is a little bit of a different, difficult personality. Um, if you're the type of person that when we, when he, when, you know, when we asked a question about, uh, are you too old or is it too difficult to change? Um, this book will help. It has not only a lot of mindset cha- you know, shifting that we can do a lot of perspective shifting, but it has a lot of different, um, uh, there, there's different uh, exercises inside of the inside of the book that people can kind of take take hold of and, and get some really good change. So it's it's and it's a quick read. It's going to be one of those that is you're going to get through it in a couple of hours. Um, it's fun. It moves. And for people that don't read a lot, I actually wanted to make a book. It's very visual. So it's not just here it is, 12 font all the way through. Mm-hmm. It's a very visual book. Uh, so if if people are someone that doesn't read a lot, if you're, you know, and you're looking to get back into reading or you want to start reading more, or it was on your on your 2020 to-do list to read more books, this is gonna be a book that you'll be able to hammer out really quickly and still be able to get a lot of great messaging in it. Um, and if you wanna gift it, Right. It's a good gift because of the fact that it is kind of a funny title. Most people hear the title. All the reasons I hate my 28 year old boss. They smile. They chuckle. Uh, you can give it to a friend, give it to a parent. And, uh, and sometimes even just the title is enough of a novelty to where it was worth the uh, it was worth the price. Definitely. So for, for all those listening, if any of that resonates with you, if you feel that you struggled to read or, if you, or you can learn anything today, from Philip, then go and get that book. I'm actually going to link uh, his link to his book uh, within the show notes of this episode. And then also, Philip, where can people get hold of you if they want to learn more, if they want to get in touch, if they want to engage with you? Yeah. Uh, so on all the social media platforms, I'm at Philip Andrew LA. Uh, you can also, you know, go on, you know, go online. And, and, and luckily, I've been doing it long enough now where if you Google Philip Andrew Barb, stuff will pop up. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, but and, but you got to do Barb, or else you're going to be on a you're going to be on a, um, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan page. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, Philip Andrew Barb, you can just Google me and, and stuff will pop up. But the biggest thing, oh man, I just, I'm that guy. Just said Google me. That's awful. Uh, but no, it is at Philip Andrew LA. And honestly, if you've, if you've stuck through this long, I really appreciate it. Uh, in, in, you know, it's super helpful for these podcasts for you guys to leave, you know, reviews and comments because it helps more and more people be able to see it. So please share this episode if, you, if you've stuck around this long uh, so that more people in your network can, can learn about it and hear some of the things we talked about. And if you want to reach out to me via email, uh, philipandrewla at gmail.com. And uh, I, dude, I just I want to say thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's a great, uh, you know, it's, I, it's always fantastic to be able to talk about this stuff with people that it resonates with. 
And uh, I'm excited, uh, you know, now that, you know, we're friends now and, and I appreciate it. And, and we have, you know, our networks and our communities are combining. So thank you very much for the opportunity to come on and talk. Yeah, well, just to end it, thank you for being so just like open and vulnerable and sharing your story and just being yourself. So many people today are struggling just be, to be their self. Thank you for being the spark that ignites all the change that we see today. And thank you for, like I heard you say before, thank you for smiling for no reason and teaching us a, value, uh, a, a massive and valuable lesson in that. So closing question to leave the people with, in what way would you like to inspire or empower and motivate the world? In what way would you like to do that? I, you know what, I just hope that, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about in, in, in recovery is there's a saying, um, attraction rather than promotion. And that resonates with me so much. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the type of person that has to promote myself nonstop to get people to listen. You know, I hope that I can, I want to be able to live a life that appears attractive to other people because there's nothing inherently special about me. I'm just a guy from Metro Detroit who had a story that I had and I've been lucky and so blessed that I've had so many amazing people come into my life. The probably the biggest skill that I, the biggest gift I ever did myself or like did for myself was just shut the hell up and listen. And, and I've been able to soak up so much from so many, many people or amazing people. And so I think for me, I just hope that I can live a life that on my deathbed or not even on my deathbed when, when, when I've got friends and I've got family and there's people at my funeral that they will always, that, that they know that I brought light to their life, that I brought joy and happiness and caring. Um, if that's for one person, if that's for 10, if that's for a million people, right? If I, if I Tony Robbins this thing, right? And I've got I mean, millions of people or whatever it ends up being. I hope I would never start getting to a place where I'm promoting more than I'm just being able to attract people. Um, and, and so, and, and it's just so that other people can do the same for others. Like, I think as like my light shines, as your light shines, it allows other people to allow their light to shine. And then it's just a better place. It's just a beautiful, a much be more beautiful place for others. So, um, so yeah, I just, that's how I want to inspire people. It's just, no, like you can do it. Whatever you want to do, go do it. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Thank you for leaving us with that. Let's go lit other people's candles and have a fantastic day. So Philip, I'll chat with you soon awesome. and have a great one, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Bye. And there we go. That is it for this episode. Guys, thank you so much for just hanging out during this episode. Thank you for building this community. Thank you for building this idea of possibility. Thank you for doing the things that so many others are starting to do now, which is starting to grow their mindset, starting to improve upon who they are, starting to become the better version of themselves and you know, start to move towards possibility. Thank you for joining this conversation and I hope that you really got some value out of that and that you are now able to start stretching your thinking a little bit more, you know, thinking a little bit bigger, stronger, exponentially, or just from a place of possibility. So I hope that works out for you in that way and that you just learn something that you can go and use and practice today. Um, above all of that, I would just like you to engage with me and let me know how the episode went or just at least share it with someone else so they can learn from this episode as well or just start engaging with the community. So that's about it from me today. I'll see you guys in the next episode of Exploring Possibility. And remember, don't be afraid to go and explore and find that possibility. Cheers, guys.
Now.